0: My studies. Okay, so uh, it's eight o'clock, it's showtime. Let's get underway. Welcome to everyone. Uh, this week's parasha is Kiti Sa. Uh, after learning about the details of the construction of the Mishkan and its appurtenances in Parsha's Truma, and then Titsava was, as we know, uh, extensively about the vestments of the Khanim, in this week's parsha, it is action-packed. And I'd like to actually focus on a subject which is prominent in the parasha, albeit prominent in many other passages in the Torah as well. I'm referring to the uh, subject of Shabbos. So let's start near the beginning. We're at chapter 31, verse uh, verse 13, pasuk Yud-Gimel. So here we have uh, a as I said, one of the many passages in the Torah about the mitzvah of Shabbos, importance of Shabbos. So let's take a look. And you speak to the children of Israel and say to them, just safeguard my Sabbaths. Because it is a sign between me and uh, you. For all your generations, to know that I am God who sanctifies you. Now, if you look closely, uh, the Mepharshim um, take note of the fact that it says, Now, Shabbosai is in the plural, my Sabbaths, my Shabbatot. Tishmoru means to safeguard. But then it goes on to say, It is a sign. Now, there is a plural shabso side and then in the end it says yeah. os, yes, we sign. Okay. So we would expect it Let's to know. say os or os, os heim, because my shabbat are a sign, each one of them individually, but they are mentioned collectively. Of course, the Torah could have said my Shabbat you keep my Shabbos uh, because it's a sign, but the Torah mentions it in the plural. There must be a significance to the fact that the Torah mentions my Shabbatot in the plural. So Ramban says, uh, we can explain this very simply because every year has multiple Shabbatot. If the Torah were to direct its attention to uh, Pesach or any of the festivals for that matter, or an event which happens once a year, or maybe an event that happens once in a few years, like uh, Shemitah, then it would refer to it in the singular. But because Shabbos is a weekly occurrence, so any uh, year will have multiple Shabbat. Therefore, okay, the Torah says Shabbosai Tishmora. Of course, my friend Ksavah Kabbalah is looking for or teaches us, has an approach which is more profound uh, on this occasion, although we will come back to the Ramban shortly as well. He says Shabbos society, the reason it says it in the plural is that every Shabbos has two, or or the concept of Shabbos itself has a dual significance. The idea of safeguarding the Sabbath, of observing Shabbat, has itself two connotations. He says one meaning of Shabbat is to rest. It means bitul the Hepsik malacha. A person works day by day by day. He works in various productive or maybe less productive uh, avenues. But as we know, the Torah regulates uh, very um, dramatically the nature of our. Uh, activities on Shabbos and makes them highly distinct relative to the rest of the week. A person works for six days, he rests on the seventh day. So that's one meaning, of course, very obvious, as we know. But there's another significance. He says there's a further significance of Shabbos, and that is Yishuv hadas. That is the uh, intellectual or maybe the spiritual or even the emotional or psychological respite. It is the kind of uh, um, switching off, which as we say nowadays is so important because we are so wired, we are so connected. I mean, we've got wireless even, we're not even wired. We're so connected, we're so attached. We make such use frequently, very beneficial use of technology. But the fact is that we can become uh, subject to the tyranny of technology. So Shabbos, it doesn't merely give us rest from work. But Shabbos gives us intellectual space. It gives us spiritual opportunities. So he says this is the meaning of Shabbososai, because every Shabbos has two, two aspects. There's the aspect of the respite from work, but there's the aspect that because we're not working, we have the potential, we have the possibility, we have the opportunity to soar, Spiritually, intellectually, to celebrate Shabbos, to experience Shabbos in all of its uh, um, beauty, in all of its profundity, in all of its spiritual potency. He says, This is why the Torah says, Shabbos society, Shemaorot. It's not enough just to do one part, you've got to do them both. And he says, This is the form of rest, which is the intent, that is the tachlis, that is the purpose. The reason that the Torah says don't do malacha on Shabbos is not just an end in itself, but rather it facilitates, it enables the higher form of Shabbos, the higher aspect of Shabbos. That's why it says, Shabbososai tishmoro. Because every Shabbos that you observe, you're keeping Shabbos in two different ways. And he says, maybe this is the reason for the, or the the meaning behind the famous statement in the Talmud. (coughs) Excuse me. If the Jewish people were to observe two Shabbatot, they would be immediately redeemed. What is the meaning of that statement? So many understand it at face value. If you, uh, if the Jewish people keep two Shabbos, it seems that they kept one Shabbos. That's the first Shabbos they kept. Unfortunately, they couldn't keep up the winning streak and the next Shabbos and subsequently, there was someone somewhere who didn't keep Shabbos properly. If only Je- uh, all Israel would keep one Shabbos, this is the famous Mordechai Ben David song, just one Shabbos and we'll all be free. Uh, inspired by, uh, by a former colleague of mine many years ago. Uh, just one Shabbos, says the like, Kabbalah, why does the Torah say two Shabbosos? It means maybe not two separate Shabbatot, it's one Shabbos, but they keep, it, they keep it right, they keep it with both aspects. If the Jewish people were to keep Shabbos, Shnei Shabbosos, it means they were to keep two forms of Shabbos on the same day. The two forms of Shabbos that represent the avoidance of the malacha and the further celebration, the spiritual aspect of Shabbos as well. And actually, I think this is quite close to a famous comment of Ramban, even though we've said that Ramban resolves the tension between Shabbos in the plural and oshi in the singular, by saying that every year has many Shabbosos. That's how Ramban resolves it. But what Ksav Kavala says, I believe that Ramban would applaud what he says, because Ramban himself says something very similar. Shamar v'zachor Dibura echad ne'emru, that the Torah, uh, Hashem rather, uh, expressed shamar, Shabbos zachor Shabbos the same two formulas, well, not the same, but that, that nuance of difference, uh, simultaneously. So there Ramban, on a so Ramban explains that Shamoah refers to the uh, respecting and honoring the sanctity of Shabbos by not profaning it, by not demeaning Shabbos, by not uh, like undermining the respect that we must show for abstaining from Malacha, that's shamor to safeguard. But zachor, says Ramban, refers to the positive aspects, the celebratory aspects, the spiritual and the sublime aspects of Shabbos. And they are uh, um, uh, inseparable components that go together. That's what Ramban says, and it's very close to what Saba Kabbalah says right here. I heard many years ago, so long ago, I can't remember whether I heard it, on a recording from Rav Yosheber Soloveitchik himself, or whether I heard it in his name. Possibly I may have heard it from Aaron Soloveitchik, who was his younger brother, but I can hear it in my echoing in my in my mind. I listened to it on a, on a recording. Anyway, Rav Yosheber Soloveitchik says that when I was young, he grew up in Brisk. His father was, uh, uh, a prob- well, his grandfather was a Chaim Brisk, or he grew, grew up in Brisk, Then, when he was maybe a teenager, the family moved to Warsaw. He said, in Brisk, I understood Shabbos of Bame Matlikin, the Shabbos that was uh, uh, observed with meticulous detail to the halachic requirements, that is to say, the uh, specifics of honoring Shabbos and, as we say, respecting Shabbos. Okay, that's Shabbos. He said, but when I moved to Warsaw, his father became, uh, was an educator in, in Warsaw. And in Warsaw, Warsaw was a Hasidic city. And uh, he said, in Warsaw, I was introduced to another t- aspect of Shabbos. He says, the Shabbos of Kegavna. Kegavna is a passage that uh, is in the Zohar recited by Hasidim and, and others uh, in place of Bame Adlikin before um, Boruch before on, on Friday evening. Kegavna represents the spirituality, the spiritual potency, the energy of Shabbos, which is of of a kind of elevation. So bame madlikin represents, as we say, the observance of Shabbos, but Kegavna represents the celebration of Shabbos, the elevation, the sanctity of Shabbos, which enables a person's soul to soar. This is what Ksava Kabbalah means when he says, Now, the next pasuk, uh, just look with me the very following verse. It says, Now, Ksava Kabbalah says a comment here, which is a natural companion to what we've just mentioned. Mechalaleha is in the plural. those who desecrate it. Mos yumas shall be put to death, but most yumas is in the singular. It could have said uh most yamusu in the plural, mechalaleha is in the plural, otherwise, it it would have it would be more consistent consistent to say mechalala most yumas. One who desecrates it will be put to death. which, which pasuk was that? I'm sorry, I missed it. The immediate next pasuk that we did, we're now doing udalit. Okay. Uh, those who desecrate it will be put to death, but mosumas is in the singular. So the same kind of question is uh, pertinent here as well. Why does it speak about those who desecrate it in the plural? Should be mosumas is in the singular. He says on this pasuk, As I said, the companion piece to what we've just mentioned. Mechala, leha, those who desecrated, because there are two aspects to Shabbos. It could be a person who desecrates Shabbos by picking up a pen or a pencil and writing even two words on a page, two letters rather, on a page. Or if a person plants one seed in the ground, or if a person strikes one match, or a person plucks one apple from a tree, uh, the possible ways to desecrate the Shabbos are manifold. So if it's done in a deliberate way, and he's been warned, and he says, I know that I'm liable to death penalty, I'm doing it anyway, many uh, requirements have to be fulfilled. And I'm sure, as you know, the death penalty was actually carried out only very rarely, very rarely indeed. But nevertheless, the Torah uh, indicates the, severity of the transgression by saying that in principle such a person is liable to the death sentence. That's one aspect, but Yadavi says with his own hands. But there's another aspect to Shabbos as well, and that is the positive. He can also negate the mitzvah's say There's also a positive commandment of Shabbos. Uh a Sabbath to God that represents the form of Shabbos, like we keep, keep saying, the celebration in the soul of the mind, the uh like experience of Shabbos, which is the built upon the platform, upon the foundations. The foundations are to safeguard the Shabbos, but the edifice itself involves the spiritual attainment so therefore it says Mechalaleha, one who desecrates shabbos in both ways uh, everyone who desecrates the shabbos desecrates it, it as i say in a dual fashion um, because there are the two aspects of shabbos and really this is the companion piece to what we've just said excuse me i'd like to go now uh to look at a further nuance in the same pasuk. So we're now looking again at the same verse, verse pasuk Yudalet. Safeguard the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Those who desecrate it, most of will be put to death. Anyone who performs malacha on the Sabbath. That soul will be cut off from the midst of its people. Now, take a close look at these words, because I've said it so many times uh, in this Shia and elsewhere, that the observations that Ksavah Kabbalah draws uh, my attention to um, are ones which, in retrospect, seem so obvious and yet so easy to overlook. He says there's something strange here. The Torah says that whoever desecrated will be put to death, and the word "key" means because. Because whoever does malacha will be subject to spiritual excision. The art people render it. It's desecrator shall be put to death. For whoever does work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among its people. But if you read the, the words carefully, even in the English, you'll see it doesn't really make sense. He will; The desecrators are put to death. For whoever does work, the soul will be cut off. Now, the soul is cut off. That has a technical meaning. That is the uh, punishment of karate. Karate means spiritual excision. And in the hierarchy of the uh, severity of transgressions, karate is something very severe. But it is not as severe as the ultimate punishment, where the courts, in theory at least, will execute the perpetrator. Uh, because of his transgression. In other words, uh, death penalty is more severe than karis, which is spiritual excision, or to put it differently, it's like a subset superset that anyone who is subject to execution by the courts for that matter, even if he's not executed in actuality because of the many technicalities, he is also subject to karay spiritual excision. Now, a person can do tshuva, I hasten to add. A person can certainly repent even at the last, uh, um, you know, advanced stage. A person can do tshuva and will wipe the state clean. But in the meantime, he's subject, in principle, someone who commits certain transgressions is subject to karay the problem is that the Torah seems to say the one who desecrates this Sabbath is put to death because whoever does so is liable to excision, spiritual excision to karais. Doesn't make sense. He, he's subject to the death penalty because he gets karais. It doesn't make sense. The opposite could make sense. Because he gets the death sentence, he's also liable to, to, to karais, to the punishment of karais. Says Iksavah Kabbalah. Maybe the word v'nichrasah does not refer to the punishment that Hashem will mete out to someone who commits certain severe transgressions of spiritual excision. That person may uh, be called to account in the next world. There may be implications for alam haba for that person as well. It's not what it means here. He says the reason that he gets the death penalty is because someone who desecrates the Sabbath... He has cut himself off from the Jewish people. Look at the words again. (laughs) Because whoever does Malacha on Shabbos has distanced himself from the Jewish people, has turned his back on the Jewish people. Because the Jewish uh, sort of uh, um, experience in this world is inextricably connected to the Observance of Shabbos. He says the word karet, like we have the word uh, vokas sefer krisus, uh, which is a very unfortunate event most of the time uh, when a couple are divorce one another. So it says that he will write a, a bill of divorce, sefer krisus. Karet means to separate things which are joined together. A husband and wife are a unit. They are a a. Um, a bond, but that unit can be dissolved. There is a method for that, and that is to separate things and, and components that were connected together. We have uh, elsewhere as well. The word karate does not necessarily mean, he suggests, in the Uh, sense of the punishment, but it can also refer to the fact that the person who desecrates the Sabbath has cut himself off from the Jewish people. He has abandoned the Jewish people, and that's why the Torah says that uh, one who desecrates the Sabbath is counted as if he has negated the entirety of the Torah. A person who keeps Shabbos is given credit, so to speak, as as if he keeps the whole Torah, <clears throat> excuse me, but someone who desecrates the Sabbath, it's as if he has uh, trampled upon and neglected the entire Torah. Now, the truth is that um, we find it a bit difficult, I speak for myself at least, to relate to that um, principle for the simple reason that, unfortunately, we are surrounded by Chilu Shabbos, and not only because we live among the nations of the world, but even those who live in very Jewish uh, milieu, but uh, we are very well aware of many Jews who do not keep the Shabbos, people that we know, people that we work with, people who maybe we're friendly with, people maybe we are related to, people who are our neighbors, dare I say people who are our congregants. So we experience that, and therefore the assertion of the sages that someone who desecrates the Shabbos is as if he has uh, abandoned and spurned and betrayed the entirety of the Torah, we find that difficult to relate to. But the fact is, in actuality, that of course, uh, until relatively recently in Jewish history, the Jews did keep the Shabbos. I'm sure not everyone at the same level, but the idea of a Jew who habitually and publicly and you know wantonly desecrates the Sabbath. Uh, was a rarity. Um, even today, incidentally, there are places where it remains a rarity. Uh, Ruthie and I took a group from Kesher years ago to Jerba, and uh, Jerba is such a, a town, such a place. It's a small island, a coastal island off the coast of Tunisia. It's, uh, connected by a road to a, to the mainland by a Roman causeway, about 14 kilometers. And, um, the, uh, Jewish community there is very ancient and highly traditional to the point that they don't have any Shabbos there. There's no such thing as a member of the community who desecrates the Sabbath. Uh, When someone that I know visited there and he asked about the, he said how many of the Jews here are Shomer Shabbat and the person to me asked, he was aghast. He couldn't understand the question. He said, of course, everyone is Shomer Shabbat. He said, someone is not Shomer Shabbat. He can't be a member of the community. He said, you can't uh, touch his wine. You can't drink his wine if he touches it. You can't count him in a minyan. You can't call him to the Torah. You can't say amen to his blessing. You know He was genuinely perplexed at the possibility of a Jew who would be a member of the community who lives in Jeroboam, who doesn't keep Shabbat. I believe that's still the case, even to this day. But incidentally, but of course, the rest of us who live elsewhere, uh, we don't have that that same kind of sensitivity to mechalela hamosiyas because someone who, who who, I'm sorry, because whoever does melacha, the that person has separated himself from the mikerev uh, amir uh, from the midst of the Jewish people. I just mention one other little anecdote um, during World War One. The Chavetz Chaim, together with uh, many members of the community in Radin, and in fact, many Jews throughout all of uh, the whole of Eastern Europe, they had to flee. It was a time of tremendous upheaval. And he fled to Warsaw. And in Warsaw, which was, of course, uh, a very Jewish city, but nevertheless, although it was a very Jewish city and it was a very, you know, Hasidic, as we just mentioned a few minutes ago, Rabbi Yashu Ber but uh, it was a big city, and then not every Jew in Warsaw was Sabbath observant. The Chavetz Chaim, they say that when he was there for a Shabbos, his first Shabbos ever in Warsaw, and he saw a Jew, maybe more than one, publicly desecrating the Sabbath, he was so overwhelmed and he was so upset that he broke down in tears, he started to cry, because he had seen something which he he had heard of it, but he had never seen it with his eyes, a Jew who desecrates the, the, the Sabbath. They say that subsequently maybe the same Shabbos, or the next Shabbos, he again saw such an incident, and he didn't cry right away, and after maybe a short uh, interval, he began to cry also. And he explained the first time he cried because he had never seen such a, 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 a uh, tragic sight as a jew who desecrates the sabbath publicly and deliberately and wantonly he cried and he said the second time when i saw it it didn't upset me as much and then i cried when i realized i'm doesn't upset me anymore and that's why i cried i didn't cry because i saw it because i had already seen it the week before but i realized what's happened to me I've now become inured. I've become habituated to chilu okay. okay, this is a madrega of, uh, of the Chaim. and this is what Kabbalah suggests here: that uh, not that God will cut off that soul, or the person is cutting off his soul by digesting shabbos. The person is distancing himself from the midst of the Jewish people, and as as we say, this is uh, perhaps the source of the sa- statement of the sages, the one who desecrates the Sabbath. It's as if he has, uh, has, has no Torah at all. Okay, I'd like to finally turn to uh, the last pasuk in this passage, in this short paragraph, and this gives rise to the title of our shiur tonight, for those who read uh, Rebison Rufi's uh, clever uh, uh, promotion, uh, we're calling it Does God Need a Break? So let's see, does God need a break? If you're with me in the art scroll, uh, it's on page 492. <clears throat> Excuse me, just a few verses later. Uh, between me and the children of Israel, it is an eternal sign. Because in six days God created the heaven and the earth. And on the seventh day, so the art school people render it here, he rested and was refreshed. Shavas, he rested. From the word nephesh, and he was refreshed. The problem, of course, is the anthropomorphism of it. Of it. That is to say, Here the Torah appears to describe God in human terms, appears to ascribe to God the human experience of of relaxing, of refreshment, to be refreshed. That's a wonderful thing, to be refreshed. I need it. You need it. Uh, It could be other uh, creatures require it or benefit from it or crave it. But does God need it? Does God need to rest? Does God need to be refreshed? So, the Kabbalah says an interesting idea, uh, because he doesn't like the, as I said, the anthropomorphism, the ascription to God of human experiences or human uh, features or human emotions or human experiences, rest and relaxation, R&R. He says, Shavas V'inafash refers not to God, but to the creation itself. The creation rested, but I want to look especially at Fash. He says the word Vayi means that the uh, world, the, the creation that God had brought into being, the uh, process of laying the foundations of a world that will function into the future was only complete Vayi nefesh is the nefesh. When Hashem infused the world with a nefesh, the word nefesh, he says, refers to the capacity of a, a creature to reproduce itself. I, I don't know whether he means literally that even the animals had no means of reproduction, meaning they were not endowed with the capacity for reproduction until the, the, the end of the sixth day in the arrival of Shabbos. Perhaps so. The thing is that there are some creatures that don't even live that long, um, you know, they don't even live, uh, you know, a, a week. But okay, maybe he doesn't mean it at the uh, level, level of insects, etc. But certainly for people, and it could mean for the animal world as well, says that Shabbos infused the world with the capacity for its own uh, replication, its own, like, um, uh, propagation, the ability to its own maintenance, was infused into the world. The shavas Fash, that the world itself, the creation, was endowed with a nefesh. He says that the word nefesh derives from the two letters pei and shin. Uh, we mentioned this the other day, actually, I think maybe last week or the week before, or maybe it was at Kesher. I'm sorry, I get confused. I think it was at Kesher actually. Uh, Fash, He says the word nefesh is related to the word is, comes from the word pash pei it means to spread or to increase, to extend. Um, and he says that the word vaina therefore it means that the world itself, the creation was endowed with the capacity for its own uh, uh, maintenance, its own sustenance, its own uh, like um, uh, endurance for the capacity for uh, Um, uh, creativity was infused within the world. And it's certainly true for man, and it's certainly, well, I say, I mean, I say certainly true, I'm not saying one can prove it, but it fits in very well with the Idea that that Shabbos is the completion, and with the completion comes the sense of wholeness. A project which is incomplete, a person doesn't feel the full wholeness. Especially if it's a project which is very important to him that he's been working on for a long time, or a a, a, a you know um, fondly sought uh, um, realization of some project. Once the project is complete, there's a sense of fulfillment that comes with it. He says, this is Shavas ve'inafash. Not that God needed the refreshment, but that the nefesh was imbued, instilled within the world. Um, And uh, finally, he quotes from one of the the Rishonim, who says that uh, on Shabbos, we can reach our own completion and we can realize our spiritual spiritual potential. And again, this goes back to conclude with the way we began, that on Shabbos, a person has the capacity for spiritual achievement, which cannot be matched on other days of the week. And certainly, the experience of Shabbos that comes with every week gives a person, certainly gives a Jew, the capacity and the potential, enables him to realize his potential for spiritual attainment, for spiritual uh, achievement, and for spiritual uh, completeness. This is Vayama Shvi Shavas not God, but the world itself. Just to sum up, as we like to do, uh, we said in the plural, um, because every Shabbos has two aspects. It has the aspect of the avoidance of compromising the sanctity through doing malacha. But even that is only the foundation, is only for the purpose of the higher objective of experiencing Shabbos in all of its beauty, in all of its um, uh, serenity, in its spiritual potency. And this is the higher experience of Shabbos. And we said that the same uh, idea really is found in Ramban, in Shamor, and this is the Shabbos of by Memadlikin and the Shabbos of Kagavna that Rabbi Yeshayahu Soloveitchik uh, recalled many years later that he discovered in his in his youth the Shabbos of Brisk is the Shabbos of Warsaw. This is true from a Chalaleha. Mos Yumas, for the same reason, Mechalaleah, there are two aspects of Shabbos. We mentioned also that one who does Malachav and is is liable to the death penalty because the soul is cut off. So we said it doesn't mean the soul is cut off the punishment of Kares It means the person has chosen to distance himself from, from the Jewish people. And by so doing, that person has turned his back on on his Jewish identity that this is something that we don't really experience so much nowadays because of the context in which we live. But uh, those who live in Jerba, or we mentioned the Chavetz Chaim, had a much higher sensitivity, greater sensitivity to that. Finally, does God need a break? God does not need a break, but we need a break. We're looking forward to Shabbos. I wish everybody Shabbat Shalom. We have a special Kiddush this week. Special Kiddish this week at Kesher, absolutely. It's in honor uh, of uh, Yaakov, Dr. Jakob Schmidt's father. We're going to have Prosecco, which he enjoyed. We may have some single malt uh, whiskey as well. And we're also having the first installment of the Cholin Challenge. So, mm. anybody who is local to Kesher, don't squander the opportunity to uh, evaluate the two entrants in the Cholen mm. Challenge. And I'll let Ruthie tell you more about it because I've got to go to... My... the
1: very much.
0: Thank you. Thank
1: you. Thank, thank you. you, Shabbos. Shalom. Thank you, thank you. Ruthie, you're telling us about it. She gone. What? Ruthie? Good Shabbos. Good Shabbos. Good Shabbos. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, yes. So the Cholent Challenge is something we try to do when there's an extra adar, where we have a we have two to three Cholents of Shabbos that are made in our home, um, uh, and they're quite creative. We're having two people or two of the men are coming over to make one is making a Rhodesian recipe, and the other is making from his... Families shtetl in lit in Lita or something, and sometimes it's not even. It's one one week. One year it was a shoulder of lamb in Bartanura. We have Barbara. Yeah, lamb in Bartanura. That was it. That was a cholent. We've had Mexican chili. We've, we've done all. We the idea is that when we learn and, and Rabbi Simon usually goes through cholent with us. So who are you? I don't. I sent you a little message. I don't know. I don't know if we know each other. Who are you, Terry? Hi. <laughs> Do know each other i'm mm-hmm. i'm not somebody very important but i'm terry mark okay, i know you've been on, the, on before but ha- have i actually met you in person i'm not sure you have no i don't think so where do you live it's over the border in hendon over the border and i'm originally mancunian uh-huh. Uh-huh. and what do you do i just it's not being recorded anymore i think good job job, okay. good job, okay. good job. Oh, good shovel. you know, we have very special guests tomorrow night. You know that? You know who's joining us? My son. Your son and daughter in huh? law. Yeah. Oh, very nice. Enjoy yeah. them. Thank, thank, you, thank you. you. Terry has a bunch of lovely children. They're all stars for children. Who, who oh, yeah, I don't know, Terry. I'm going to get to that. Okay. So, Terry, how do you hear about the share? That's what I want to know because we want to advertise it. Right. And it's well, being recorded. I wish it wasn't being recorded. But I think they'll, they'll chop it. They'll, you know, maybe we should just get off and... Thank Le- you. Thank you. Ah, oh, you we'll, can unrecord uh, it. Paul can unrecord it. Oh, thank you, Ruthie. Good Shabbos. Okay. Good Shabbos. Good Shabbos. So, Terry, I'm going to send you my number, okay? Terry? Will you, uh, will you cancel the recording? <laughs> of course we will. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, I mean, I'll just yeah. send a message to Leona to to... Yeah. Okay, but I another time to tell you exactly you where's Kesha? It's a, a diagonal across Golders Green Station. Oh, I see. Okay. It's a Love really it. nice you'll feel the atmosphere of Shabbos there. What time what time do you